Good morning, guys. So it's good to see you all, and glad you got out. You, 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 you guys are the the smart ones because instead of getting out when it was like fifteen degrees this morning, you wait till the temperature goes, you know, come, goes up, and the ice melts off the car. Then you come to church. So uh, glad you're here with us today. Glad you guys are joining us online. I know we've got a number of people watching on Facebook, uh, on our website at live.mycornerstone.org, and even on YouTube. So. Uh, depending on, uh, you know, if you're on Facebook, you may want to check out the, our website, that live.mycornerstone.org. It's a really neat uh, experience there. Uh, if you've got a smart TV and you want to put it in your living room, uh, then uh, YouTube works really well for that as well. So uh, just lots of ways you can join in and, and be part of what we're doing today. Uh, several announcements I'll just kind of mention right at first. Um, one is we've got a few things coming up uh, at the end of this month. We've got our community meal, so it's on January uh, 27th. We're doing chili. It's going to be a drive-through meal again, so we'll be sharing some ways you can help with that. Our student ministries, which is our fifth, sixth, and our seventh through twelfth grade, will kick back off next Sunday night. Uh, so next Sunday night, that'll get started back. And then, if you're new to Cornerstone, want to find out more. Uh, we're going to do a Discover lunch um, at the end of February. So it's a little bit ways out, but uh, you can go ahead and kind of mark it. It'll be uh, February 28th. So uh, lots of things coming up. Um, we've kind of made it through the Christmas holiday, starting our new year, and we're jumping in and talking about how we can start the new year off right. Uh, one of the things I'll also mention real quick is that one of our core values at Cornerstone is that we want to be a radical, a radically generous church. And really the only way that can happen is if we have a church full of radically generous people. Uh, and so I want to just thank you for your generosity. Uh, throughout 2020, I know a lot of churches struggled. A lot of churches had to cut back, had to pull back, quit doing ministry, lay off staff, uh, all sorts of things. For us, we were able to just keep pressing forward and you guys just continued supporting what God was doing through Cornerstone. So I want to thank you for that. In addition, I mentioned last week about our Christmas offering. Uh, so I'll go ahead and share a little bit about that. Um, we did uh, take in, I think, it was right at $14,000. The elders met yesterday. We added some to that. Uh, so not only did we buy car seats. And how many car seats did we buy? Is it 20? We bought 20 car seats for foster care families. Not only did we do that. Uh, we're sending $7,500 to Because We Care Ministries in Nicaragua. We're sending $7,500 to um, the, the, uh, our Hope House, our local homeless shelter. And so that was all from the Christmas offering. And then the elders decided we wanted to do another gift that wasn't, you know, over and beyond what we did for uh, the uh, Christmas offering to uh, uh, the God Storehouse Soup Kitchen for what they're doing and and their plan, so we're sending another $5,000 to them. That's crazy for a church our size, right? That we're just able to, to be able to bless all these different ministries in our community. And, I, and it's only because you guys are generous. So, thank you. Uh, if you're watching online, thank you. If you're here, thank you. I'm just telling you, I've just been blown away this year by your generosity. And I'm just excited about, about what God's going to continue to do through people who are generous this year. And I, I just know uh, it takes money to do ministry. And you guys have been so generous in giving. 
not only your money, but also your time and resources. And so just thank you for that. So uh, if you want to give, uh, if I've had people tell me before, they've, they've come to church here and don't even know how to give. We have offering boxes here, but we also have our website uh, at mycornerstone.org. We also have the church center app. Uh, and so any of those ways, you can just use it to support what God's doing here. So with all that said, um, who is excited this morning to learn more about fasting? Uh, woo, oh yeah, let's, let's, go, let's talk about how to fast. Aren't you glad you came to church today? This is like one of those messages, like I get up here to preach and I'm like, man, everybody's going to... No, I mean, here's the thing, you don't hear this talk much, you don't hear this preach much, and it's so important that we learn about it. So we're going to jump in, we're going to dive in, we're going to learn about starting off this new year in a way right that really kind of reorients us back to focusing on God I, I don't know about you but after this past week don't you think that we need to spend some time in prayer and fasting you look at what's going on not just you know in our country but e even around the world what we see is a really a lot of people that need Jesus I'm just going to be honest right we see people that need Jesus and so uh, when I think about the future of our church I think about the future of our country um, I just the, the longer I live, the longer I'm, I'm able to kind of step back and just realize that we're only passing through and that we don't always fit in. You know, as Christians, we're called to be countercultural. Uh, and so I, I feel like there's times that, that I, I look at what's going on and I just don't see where I fit in. And I don't know about you, but I just think sometimes we've lost our way. We've lost who, who Jesus is and, and why he's important and where our hope and trust is. And, and we just got to get back to that place. I'm reminded of what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. Now, Philippians 3, Paul says, We are citizens of heaven, right? Where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we're eagerly waiting for his return as our Savior. Um, and that's why I, I feel like for us, right, um, just like Paul, we've got to realize first and foremost, we're citizens of heaven. That's where we belong. That's what we long for. That's what we hope for. Um, and so there's going to be times that means that we look a lot differently than the culture around us and the world around us. Uh, and our lives need to reflect more and more Jesus. That's what we talked about last week. We talked about spiritual disciplines and how... Spiritual disciplines are ways of living that help us imitate the way that Jesus lived. Um, and so when Jesus prayed, we prayed. When Jesus fasts, we fast. If Jesus served the least of these, we serve the least of these. And so all of those things are ways, right, that we get into a healthy rhythm. Now, I, I'm a big believer in, in that we all need a rhythm of life. Um, and the problem is we get so busy that that rhythm just goes out the window and we just get in survival mode. Have you all been there before? That survival mode where you're just like, I've got to get this done. I've got to get this done. And, I, and we lose our, our, a healthy rhythm. What a healthy rhythm does is it kind of keeps us focused on what's most important. It helps us learn what to say no to. It helps us uh, kind of start each day by focusing on what's most important. So the first thing you do when you wake up is really important. And I've got to admit there's been times that like I'll roll over, pick up my phone, see what time it is. And then what do you do? Like 
open the news, see what's happening, maybe uh, check out if you got any email. or fa- yeah, I do, I've done that right before I've even gotten out of bed. And when I do that, I'm just telling you, that is not a good way to start your day. That's just, all that does is just show you everything that's wrong in the world around you, right? And, and, and everything that needs to be done, and you wake up frustrated and discouraged because you realized how far behind you are. But when you start your day off by focusing on God, it changes the whole structure of your day. And so rhythms are important. Just getting in in little habits and rhythms that help you. And whenever you start a new year, I I make it a point to kind of evaluate my current rhythms of life. And I try to make adjustments. And and I think we all need to do that. And in Scripture, it's interesting that we see that they had a rhythm of life that went throughout the year. And, And so your first point today is simply this. In Scripture, we see this rhythm. We see a pattern of feasting and fasting. Of feasting and fasting. Um, and, and I don't know if you've ever kind of put these two things together. But they really, what you see, there's a rhythm of life where they both are important. In, in Old Testament, we see the Israelites had, uh, they, they celebrated on a recurring schedule every year. In the spring and in the fall, they had seven different feasts that they celebrated. And maybe you've heard about some of these, like things like Passover feast, right? And the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the First Fruits and Pentecost and Feast of Trumpets and the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles. And, and each one had a purpose. Each one made them remember uh, what God had done, made them look forward to, to Jesus coming and to the Messiah. And so they, there was a purpose. And, and so what they would do is they would gather together and have these huge celebrations and they would feast together. And there's a place in life for feasting and celebrating and, and looking back at what God has done and being excited about that, right? There, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And we see it's actually very important. And I don't think we do it enough today. I don't think we, we spend enough time celebrating what God has done. Right. I think about this church and how far God has brought us and and what he's accomplished and the lives that have been changed and uh, the people who have been saved. And I, I just think about all that stuff and I, it just gets me pumped up. It gets me excited thinking about how faithful God has been. And that's what feasting does. It gets you together and, and, and with a group of people who 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 are, who are with you. Right. And and who belong to God and you can celebrate together. And so that's a, that's a healthy rhythm. But on the flip side of that, there's also a rhythm of fasting. And fasting is those times where we withdraw, right? Uh, we, we deny ourselves. Uh, we look at what's uh, kind of uh, what, <laughs> what we're relying on for comfort, what we, we've kind of used to, uh, to self-medicate, and we pull back from all that stuff and we focus back on God. And we hear from him. And so when we look in, in, in scripture, what we see is over and over again, we see God's people fasting. It's mentioned over 30 different times. And the first time someone fasts in scripture is Moses in Exodus 30, 34. Uh, we see there, we see Elijah fast. We see Daniel fast. We see over and over. We just see all these prophets fasting. And we see them using that as a time to draw close to God. And, and then ultimately when Jesus comes, Right, He is the fulfillment of what all these feasts were looking for, forward to. Jesus comes 
And then when Jesus gets ready to start his ministry, what does he do? He fasts as well. And so I feel like for, for many in the church today, when we talk about fasting, it's like only this is kind of the idea I think that people have only the super spiritual fast. It's only for those people who are like really like, you know, just super spiritual and nobody else has time for it and it's confusing. So we don't do it. And and not only that, or either have that viewpoint or the viewpoint of you only fast is if you're in a lot of trouble. And it's kind of like your spiritual 911, like, God, I don't have anything else to do, so I'm just going to fast because I really, really, really need your help. And so here's what I want you to know. Fasting is much more than that. It's more than a spiritual 911. It's more than just something that the super spiritual people do. It's something that can benefit each and every one of us. And so really, when we look at Scripture, here's what I want you to know. Here's the second point this morning is although feasting or uh, feasting, although fasting isn't commanded, it is expected. It's not what's interesting about fasting is nowhere in Scripture does it says you must fast and here's how you're going to do it and here's when you're going to do it. It's not something that you're commanded to do, but it's something that we see over and over again that you're expected to do. It's just almost like a given Right. It, it, when we read scripture, it's like you're going to be doing this. So here's why you do it. Here's how you do it. Here's uh, and we can learn all the different purposes and uh, of fasting in, in scripture. And, and so when Jesus gave his sermon on the mount in um, Matthew, you know, we look in six and seven through through the sermon on the mount. What we see is Jesus really flipping everything upside down. We see him really challenging the, the, the widely held beliefs about religious activity. And so when Jesus gathered everybody together, he was talking about why we give and why we fast and why we pray. And it's not about drawing attention to ourselves. It's not about making a big deal about ourselves. In fact, it's about drawing us closer to God. And so in Matthew 6, this is what Jesus said. He said, and when you fast, don't make it obvious. As the hypocrites do, for they look, they try to look miserable and disheveled so that people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is, that is the only reward that they will ever get. But when you fast, you comb your hair and you wash your face, then no one will notice that you are fasting. Except your father who knows what you do in private and your father who sees everything will reward you. So two times in that passage, it starts off and says, verse 16, and when you fast, and then again in verse 17, but when you fast. And so what do we see from that? What we see is that Jesus, as he's talking to his, the disciples and the followers and the crowd that's gathered around, he's saying, as you fast, when you fast, when you do this, this is why you do it. And so I don't know about you, but when I read that, right, uh, the expectation is that if Jesus just assumed that it's something that we should all be doing, then why aren't we doing it? Why don't we make that a more of a priority in our life? Why don't we get into a healthy rhythm of feasting and fasting? I like feasting and feasting, right? That's my rhythm. I, I just I got, I got a smoker for Christmas and I'm. I'm just telling you, I've been doing a lot of feasting. I need to fast now because I've been feasting a lot. Um, so, I mean, we look at this, this rhythm. Um, he, Jesus didn't say if you fast. He didn't say you must fast. He said when you fast. 
And so it's not commanded, but it is expected. And so when we look at fasting, it's just something that was done by people all throughout Scripture and all throughout history. Um, and so uh, I think what we see in Scripture, we see all these people who fasting was just part of their life. And whether it was Moses or David or Elijah or Esther or Daniel or Anna or Paul or Jesus, what we see is all these people fasting was part of their life. Many of the great Christians throughout history, too, when we look at church history and we study that, we see how important fasting really was. Look at guys like Martin Luther or John Calvin or John Knox or John Wesley or Jonathan Edwards. When you study church history, you see that fasting was a very uh, important part of, of all of these leaders' lives. So, again, we need to learn more about it. When we look at Jesus, Again, as he started his ministry, the very first thing he did, uh, we, we know he was tempted in the desert, but we tend to skip over this first part. Let's look at uh, verse uh, 1 in Matthew chapter 4. It says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. This is how he is starting off his ministry. Could have started it with trumpets blazing, riding in on a horse, and, and, and just saying, you know, establishing his kingdom. No, what did he do? He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And there for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. Again, I think one of the biggest understatements of the, of the Bible right there. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights and he was hungry. What do you, you, know, what do you expect after not eating for 40 days? He was hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, for the Scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then verse 5, The, the devil took him to the holy city Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, right, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off, for the Scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so that you won't even uh, hurt your foot on a stone. And Jesus responded, the scriptures also say you must not test the Lord your God. And next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said, I will give it all to you if you kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And then the devil went away. And the angels came and took care of Jesus. So what's interesting about this passage is this is the only example we have of Jesus actually fasting. It's just prior to his being tempted in the wilderness. There were other times where he withdrew from the crowds and spent time in solitude and prayer. And I think it's almost inferred that he was fasting. But here we actually, it comes out and says he was fasting. And, and it's interesting that when he was faced with temptation, the very first time, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. What he was reminding them of, right, was the time when the Israelites were in the desert for, for 40 years, not 40 days, but for 40 years wandering, and God took care of them, right? That, that he gave them manna every day to eat and sustain them. And, that it, and, and God's point was it wasn't, uh, the food that sustained them, it was God that sustained them. 
And we need to understand that, too, because that's what fasting does. It reminds us where we're where, you know, where we're sustained from, where where our hope comes from, where, our, you know, everything we need. It's not the food. It's not the power. It's not the prestige. It's not all this stuff that Satan is tempting us with. In fact, it is God. That's, that's what we really need. And so when we fast, what it does, it slows us down. It makes us be more intentional about the choices we make. It helps us trust God to sustain us and to provide for us. And so I just it's so easy in a world where we have access to anything we need and, and most of what we want. It's so easy to forget that really what we really need is God. That he's what we need to sustain us and to provide for us. And so that kind of leads me to my next point is fasting what it does. It can draw us closer to God. It can draw us closer to God. Richard Foster said this. He said, fasting is the voluntary denial of an otherwise normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity. So let me put that into English, right? He's saying what we do, we take something that's a normal part of our life and we deny ourselves from it so that we can have a more intense spiritual activity. We can have more intense spiritual connection in our life. What it does, it clears out the cobwebs. Fasting, it clears out the distractions. It enables us to get rid of those things that we've become dependent upon for our comfort. So where do you guys find your comfort? For some people, it leads into addictive behaviors. For some people, it's just simply food. I, I'm a stress eater. Is anybody else a stress eater? Y'all know what? So, you know, um, when I get stressed, I just like start wandering in the kitchen. I just wander. And I start, and I just like open the pantry door and I just stand there. And if Jennifer walks in and she sees me standing at the door and she's like, go get something. There's an apple. There's, you know, go get something healthy. Go, don't just, you know, and, and she's, we're good. We don't have a lot of junk food in the house, but if we do, I'll find it, right? Because when I get stressed, I'm just looking for, I'm just like foraging for food. That's just like my natural habitat. I just want food. And so, but that's how I find comfort. What fasting does, it breaks those dependencies. What fasting does, it makes us think about where do we go in our time of need? Where do we go for our comfort? Where do we go, uh, you know, again, instead of self-medicating with alcohol, drugs, food, whatever it is, that it, it's focusing back on who God is and why we can learn from Him. Now, for some of us, it's, it goes far beyond that, though. In today's world, we need to fast from more than food. It's not just food that's a problem. What about our technology? What about media? I think this would be a good week to fast from media, don't you? After, after this past week. I mean, what about uh, the noise and the hurry and the crowds? Uh, you know, COVID, I think, has taught us that, that, that there are some good things about getting away from the crowd. Um, what about talking? <laughs> Um, have you ever fasted from talking and just taken some time to be to be quiet? That's tough. What about fasting from your phone? I, I want to challenge you sometime. If you think I, most people say, I don't have a problem with my phone, then turn it off for an entire day. Pick a Saturday, pick a Sunday, turn it off, leave it on your nightstand. Don't even bring it with you. And, and, and how many times will you reach for your phone 
Will you look for your phone? Will you pick it up and, and just say, I just need to check my text messages to make sure nobody got, is trying to get hold of me. Or uh, I just need to check my email. Or I just got to check social media. I just got to check the news. It's like we think the world is going to stop if we don't know what's going on. All right? That shows where we're looking to for our hope. Sometimes the, most, the best thing you can do, turn it off, put it down, back away. And what does that do? It helps us then replace that time with time spent with God. That's what fasting really... You don't just deny yourself and quit doing something and do nothing. No, you replace it with something better. You replace it with something better. And so we get connected to God. We get in His Word. We spend time in prayer. We, we focus on what's really important. Um, I, you know, we grew up... This is where, I, you know, kids tell me I'm an old man sometimes. But, you know, when I grew up, you know, you didn't have your... We didn't have the internet. We didn't have email. Uh, you had your three channels on TV if you turned your antenna right. Um, and, you know, you really, you, a lot of the times, nobody knew where you were. You didn't know where they were. If your parents, if you were out in the, in, on, you know, in the neighborhood playing, your parents didn't know it. They had to go drive around until they find you or just yell really loud, right? And it's like now we've become so dependent upon technology. We, we, you know, it used to be good if something bad happened, we didn't know about it. Now everybody knows about everything and it just has made us depressed. And so I just want to challenge all of us, right? There are times, again, feasting to celebrate what God has done and to remember how good he has been, but then to fast, to back away from all the craziness of the world and to regain our focus on him. So as we enter this year, that's really, that's the rhythm we're working on. Fasting just draws us closer to Him. It just helps us get into that rhythm. In Scripture, we see one just one account that I'll bring up. It's in Luke chapter 2. We see Anna who was at the temple just waiting and praying and hoping that she would get to see the Messiah before she died. In Luke 2.37, it says she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but she stayed there day and night worshiping God with fasting in prayer. I want to ask you, do you think she was connected to God? Do you think she was close to God? That was the focus of her life is to devote herself to fasting, to praying, to drawing close. And God rewarded it. She was able to meet the Messiah before she died. That's the type of life that I want to live where I'm so connected to God, right? That I'm just seeing the opportunities. I'm seeing uh, the people that he places in my path. That's, that's really what we talk about when we talk about fasting. Another thing that fasting does, it reveals the things that control us. We, it reveals the things that control us. Richard uh, uh, Foster, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, he said this. He said, more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit uh, to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of God. And so what fasting does, uh, it reveals those things that are controlling us. So if food is controlling us, it will reveal that. If it's anger or bitterness or jealousy, any of those things, when we start fasting, those things are going to come to the surface. And so when you fast, 
what it does, it just it kind of it, it's kind of it refines you. It brings those things to the surface, the impurities to the surface so that you can acknowledge them. You can scoop them off. You can you can really work at at, at being transformed to be more like Jesus. And so when you fast, uh, you're going to see some things about your life that aren't great, right? I mean, it's going to make you realize uh, where you're too dependent upon certain things. If you fast from technology and you realize that you are putting your hope in places other than Jesus, you're going to realize that. You fast from food and you realize you are finding your comfort in food instead of Jesus, you're going to realize that. And so as we realize it, what we do is we focus back on God, we repent, we turn back to Him, we scoop off all that stuff, we get rid of it, and we keep walking, we keep learning, we keep growing to be more like Jesus. That's the pattern we get into. And so what fasting does, it helps us keep that balance in life between feasting and fasting. Um, When Paul talked to the church at Corinth, um, they were a church that was extravagant, so to speak. They, they went all out um, and, and, and not always in a good way. Um, and he talked to them and he, he told them this in, in chapter 6. He said, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. And so what he's telling them, even good things can become bad when we become dependent upon them. And just because we can do something doesn't mean we should do something. We've got to learn what those things are in our life that pull us away from God, that distract us, that take our eyes off of Jesus. And when we become consumed with things in this world, with power, money, prestige, all that stuff, uh, what it does, it takes our eyes off Jesus. It, it's we're becoming a slave to worldly things instead of godly things. And, and so when Paul's saying this, he's just tell, he's just reminding us just because we can doesn't mean we should just because you have access doesn't mean you need to turn it on. Right. First Corinthians nine, he says, I, dis, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might so he's saying if again we talked about this last week it's not a matter of trying harder it's a matter of training wisely we've got to train wisely we've got to discipline ourselves so that we can respond the right way right in the right attitude at the right time and so so many times what we see is that we get angry, we get irritated, we get bitter. We see those emotions kind of rise to the surface and take over. What spiritual disciplines do, they help us learn, right? They help us be transformed from the inside out so that we can better reflect Jesus. So we can be, Christ can be formed in us. And that's really what we talked about last week. And we talked about spiritual disciplines or ways of living that imitate the ways that Jesus lived. And so here's, I just want you to realize, right, what fasting really does, it teaches us that we can go without getting what we think we need and we can still survive. We don't, the things that we think are important really aren't as important as we think they are. And then finally today, here's, I just want to kind of make us think a little bit. Fasting, why do we fast? What's the purpose of fasting? 
Is it that other people can be impressed by us? No, it can lead us into a deeper level of obedience. It, it, it leads us into a deeper level of obedience following Jesus. When Jesus encountered the, the woman uh, at the well in John chapter 4, he, he told her, he said, I have food to eat that you don't even know about. All right? He said, my food is to do the will of the Father. That's what sustains me. That's what gives me nourishment. It's to do what God has put me on this earth to do. Uh, have you ever got so wrapped up into something, you've enjoyed it so much you forgot to eat? All right. what you, when we start doing what God has created us to do, everything else pales in comparison. Everything else just pales in comparison. It's no what it does. It just shows us that that when when we obey, when we follow God's will for our life, we start learning what it means to really live. And so fasting, it's not something we do out of legalism. That's why in this whole series, um, and, and I've never really said, okay, this is what you're going to do. This is how you're going to do it. This is when you should do it. And we're going to guilt you into doing it and make you feel bad if you don't. No, what we want to do is say, this is why you should fast. This is the ben- these are the benefits that you can see. This is why we're expected to fast. And then you've got to make that decision. How is that going to look in my life? Okay, God, this is what you say. How, how am I going to put that into practice? That, that's what it looks like. It's not to brag. It's not to do it out of obligation. But it's to draw close to God. And when we do that, it should lead us to obey. One of the uh, most interesting passages about fasting in the Bible was found in the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah. And I've just finished reading through the book of Isaiah. And, and when you hit this, I mean, there's all this prophetic language about what's going to happen to Israel and how they're going to be overthrown um, uh, by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. And, and then it's looking forward to the future kingdom uh, that, that Christ will rule in. And, and in the middle of all that, you have this passage. And it's pretty much saying, this is why your fast don't work. This is why fasts don't work. And you say, well, Mike, you've just been telling us about why we should fast. Well, we've got to have the right motives. And what we see here is really what's labeled in the Bible kind of true and false worship. In verse 1 of Isaiah 58, I'll read about 11 verses here, but I think it's so important. It just kind of, this kind of resets us. This kind of gets us into, okay, this is why fasts are important and this is what they lead us to do. It says, shout with the voice of a trumpet blast, shout aloud, don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day. They seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They, they ask me to take action on their behalf. Pretending that they want to be near me. Why have he said we have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We've been very hard on ourselves and you didn't even notice and so let me just kind of say what the, the nation is doing. The nation of Israel is saying they're complaining to God. They're like, don't you see what we're doing? We're doing what you said. We're fasting. We're making a big deal about it. And we're not seeing any results. And this is what God says. He said, I'll tell you why. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. 
You dress in burlap and you cover with yourselves with ashes. And is this what you call fasting? Do you really think that this will please the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free. Remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. And give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like the dawn. And your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward. And the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer and say, Yes, I am here. And He will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness. And the darkness around you will be bright as noon. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. You know, when you read something like that, it's so clear, right? What fasting does, it leads us into that deeper level of obedience where we can see needs and we can respond to them. Now, yes, as a church, we're all about the gospel and sharing the gospel message. But in order to share that gospel message, we need to meet some physical needs so that people can learn that someone cares about them and that God cares about them. And so when we serve in our community, when we serve with the homeless shelter, when we serve with the soup kitchen, when we do our community meals, when we do these type of events and giveaways, what we're doing, uh, you've heard us say it before, we're earning the right to be heard. We're, we're, we're serving in a way that people can see the love of Jesus in us so that we can share the hope of Jesus that we have. And so when we fast, What it's doing, it's clearing our minds so that God can speak into us. So God can show us opportunities. So God can reveal himself in a way that will lead us to change our lives as a result of what we've learned. Uh, Fasting, it should move us to do something about the world around us. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, Christians who do not engage the world with the gospel are like those who have a treasure, but they hold on to it. The world is starving and they hoard the bread of life. Spurgeon said that when we neglect our mission, it's on par with the vilest heresy in the history of the church. Hearts that do not bring Christ to the world prove that they do not actually love Christ. If they loved Christ, they must love sinners. If they love Jesus, they must seek to extend his kingdom and to let him see the travail of his soul. So when we read that, I mean, he's just saying, if you're a believer, you've got to love people who are different from you. You've got to love the sinner. We, we've always heard, we, well, we hate the sin, love the sinner, right? That we've heard that, that, that saying. But here, the reality is, we don't do a good job of that. We don't do a good job of loving the sinner and reaching out to him and helping and, and sharing hope with him. And when we fast, it just it just points us back to what's really important. Um, I, I read a book this uh, a few a few months ago, and I went back and read it some more this week, just in light of all the current stuff going on. It's a book uh, called "Christians in the Age of Outrage: How to Bring Our Best When the World Is at Its Worst" by uh, an author named Ed Stetzer. Um, 
timely book in light of everything that's going on. But it just talks a lot about how we are to be the light of the world even when a world around us is going crazy. Um, and I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. That's a whole other sermon. Uh, but for us, we need to be winsome. We need to be we need to reflect the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self, all gentleness, self-control. All those We've got to look more like Jesus when the world looks less like Jesus. And so he, he kind of mentions in, in, in that book, he's, and this is just what brings us back. And I think Fasten does this. He says, I've read the end of the story. The last chapter of Revelation says God wins. And because God is in control and will redeem all things, I can be calm. I can be bold and I can be gracious as I share the gospel. I love those three adjectives, right? Because that's what we need to be. We need to be calm, bold, and gracious. When the world looks at us, when the world's going crazy, we need to be calm because we know where our hope comes from. We need to be bold and say what needs to be said. And we can be gracious to those who disagree with us. I feel like, you know, and if that's a struggle for you right now, fasting will help get you there. Fasting will help, uh, help us learn to do what James says. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Why? It, it helps us learn how to deny ourselves and to stand firm in what we believe and to stand firm in who we trust. We live in a broken world. It's a fallen world. But our Savior is the one who can bring real hope. So here's what I want us to do this week. Um, I want us to, to, to get in his word. I want to, and if you don't have a Bible reading plan, pick one, get in it. We've got one on our, our website. We've got multiple ones that we've emailed out. Uh, if you go, there's a PDF guide that you can download about this whole series, about prayer, about fasting. Look at it. Um, so get in his word. Then I want you to pray. I want you to pray for our church. I want you to pray for our leaders. I want you to pray for our community. I want you to pray for our nation. And I want you to pray uh, specifically, right, that by Easter, that our influence will continue to grow, that we'll see our attendance both online and in person grow, that we will continue reaching people for Jesus. I feel like right now this world needs Jesus more than ever. And God has uniquely placed us in this community and online to do uh, just that, to share his love, to share the message of hope we have. So that's what we're going to be praying for. And then I'm going to ask you to, to fast. And I don't know what your fast is going to look like. It may be from some technology. Um, it may be for some, some, you know, maybe food. It may be one meal. It may be two meals. It may be three meals. It may be a week. Uh, maybe 40 days. Uh, there's all sorts of different fasts you can do. And, and that PDF guide actually explains the different fasts that you can do and what they look like and, and how to do them. Um, and I just want you to, 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 again, to get in his word, to pray and to fast. I think there's no better way to start our year than that. I want to close with a story that John Maxwell shared in one of his books. And, and I just wish, I mean, this goes back to a simpler time maybe. But it's a time that I think that we as a country, we need to get back to where we can really focus on God together. He said in the summer of 1876, six, uh, grasshoppers nearly destroyed the crops in Minnesota. So in the spring of 1877, the farmers were worried, the people were worried. They believed that a dreadful plague would once again visit them and destroy their, their wheat crop. And it would bring ruin to thousands of people. 
The situation was so serious that the governor, John S. Pillsbury, proclaimed April 26 as a day of prayer and fasting. And he urged every man, woman, and child to ask God to prevent the terrible, uh, the, 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 the terrible scourge. On that April day, all school shops, stores, and offices were closed. There was a reverent, quiet hush over all the state. The next day, it dawned bright and clear. The temperature soared to what ordinarily they were in midsummer, which was unusual for April. Uh, they were devastated as they discovered billions of grasshoppers, the, the larvae, were wiggling to life. For three days, the unusual heat persisted, and the larvae hatched, and it appeared it wouldn't be long before they started feeding and destroying the wheat crop. But on the fourth day, the temperature suddenly dropped, and that night, frost covered the entire state. The result, it killed every one of those creeping, crawling pests as surely as poison or fire uh, would have done, and it went down in the history of Minnesota as the day God answered the prayers of the people. Why do I share that, right? One, what we see is when government calls people to pray and fast and the people respond and man, women, children, everybody gets focused on one thing, hearing from God, obeying and listening to God. It changes things. I really believe that if we get focused as a church on hearing from God, it's going to change this community, which will change this state, which could change this nation, which could change this world. That's what a revival is. I believe that could happen. Second Chronicles says this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will restore their land. That's what we need. And that's what I want us to focus on this week. How can we do that? How can we spend our time to pray and seek God's face and to, to acknowledge those wickedness? those wicked actions and sins and thoughts in our life, repent from them, turn to God, and focus on a deeper level of obedience. I believe if we do that, we're going to see a remarkable thing happen in our church and in our, in our world. I'm going to pray that praise teams are going to come back up and we're going to close this morning. Would you guys join me? Heavenly Father, as we learn more about spiritual disciplines, we just learn that we still have room to grow. That none of us have arrived. That even as we go, grow older and older and, and wiser in Scripture, we still see there's sin in our life that needs to be identified. There, there are places and strongholds that we've allowed Satan to have in our life. And, and we pray that through prayer and fasting that we can start breaking these strongholds. We can start learning to listen to you and be controlled by you and and then instead of being a slave to sin, that we would be a slave to righteousness. So, Heavenly Father, I pray that today that we would um, take what we've learned about fasting and about prayer and about spiritual disciplines. We would apply it to our life. We would get to that point where we just want we just want to have that desire that 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 desire in our life to grow closer to you. So, Heavenly Father, help us to do that. Help us just to to get serious about discipleship about discipline about faith help us to be more like jesus and lord i pray for those listening online i pray for those even in person here that if they don't know you as their lord and savior that today would be the day that they would just surrender today would be the day they say okay i'm ready i'm going to put my faith in jesus i'm going to trust him i'm going to quit trying to control my own life and i'm going to let god control me and i, I believe 
I believe that Jesus loved me so much that He died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. I believe that He rose from the death. uh, That He conquered the grave. He conquered sin so that I could live with Him forever. And so right now, I just want to confess that Jesus is my Lord. That I need Him. That I'm tired of doing life my own way. I want to confess. I I just believe. And so I believe that Jesus can save me. And so Jesus, will you do that right now? that's your prayer I want you to know Jesus heard it Jesus heard it Heavenly Father we're so thankful that you still change lives today will you help us just to be able to hear your voice and to respond to it will you lead us into a deeper level of obedience it's in Jesus name we pray today Amen